This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Did you know that Kinda Dating Now has merch? Yep, we collaborated with tpublic.com to create t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, iPhone cases, and so much more. Picking up one of our items is a great way to support the show and grab some swag for yourself. So swing over to tpublic.com or follow the link in the description of this episode to grab yours today. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kinda Dating, the comedy dating podcast where I, your host, Natasha Chandel, and some cool guests break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is how to have better sex. Let's find out. Hello, friends. I'm Natasha Chandel. You're listening to Kinda Dating. So think about it. Most of us have had sex, but how much of it was good sex? And can it become better sex that eventually leads to great sex? That's the dream, right? And the foundation of every relationship. All right, that's still trust. But it can be an important at part, and it's worth investing time into improving. And that's why we have a great guest here for you today, But before we jump into the episode, remember, please tell your friends and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get it. Also, leave us a five-star rating or review. Not one, two, three, four. Not even, no, don't give me the fours. Give me the fives, okay, guys? Five-star ratings. And uh, follow us on social media. We're at Kinda Dating across the board. Aisha's not here with us today, but she's at Aisha Says Dance. And I'm at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha.Chandel on TikTok. Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter. I'm making you work for it, guys. But uh, I'm so excited to have our guest here today. Um, He's a badass, man. Uh, uh, But he's a certified sex coach, licensed therapist, and writer, Todd Barrett. What's up? Hey, uh, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. It is great to have you here. Um, I should have asked beforehand your pronouns, but I hope I was correct. You got it. Cool. That's me. Um, well, we ask every guest the same first question. And so we got to ask you the same thing, Todd, which is single mm. or in a relationship? I'm very single. Very. Yeah. Very, so. very. And ready <laughs> to mingle? Oh, yeah. Totally ready and mingling regularly. Yeah. I love it. I love For it. For sure. Uh, what is sort of your rule of thumb with that? Because, you know, a lot of people go back and forth with, uh, some people are like, oh, when you date, you only date one at a time. But like, we believe like in the beginning of dating, like you're fucking dating. You're supposed to be dating more than one person. That's how you weed through the noise, right? 
Well, I mean, there's no right answer to this. I, I, I think the best answer is to just let go of the rules and see what you want. Um, if you are seeing somebody and you really like them and you have no interest in other people, then, you know, by all means, just see that one person. Um, but it really depends on each, each individual. Some people need to go one at a time. Um, I usually, I mean, when I say I'm dating, I'm not dating like five people for ongoing dates. You know, I'm going on one, like first, many first dates, unfortunately. Um, but uh, everybody has to find their own rhythm and their own pace to dating. Uh, for some people, it's multiple multiple people. And for others, it's just one at a time. Do people get intimidated by what you do? I don't know. Um, it's not like I asked the question, like, are you intimidated by me? Um, but they don't, do think, they say it? No, no, they don't. Um, sometimes they do, like on Grindr. Um, well, no, not on Grindr, because my profession is not there. But yeah. oftentimes once people find out that I'm a sex therapist and if we're going to have sex, maybe sometimes they'll say something about it. Um, but most of the times people don't. I think they just make assumptions and they don't really ask about it. That's really good. Cause I feel like when I was single, I got a lot of questions a second. I didn't also announce that I had a dating podcast, but <laughs> it would, it would come up a lot and people would be like, Oh, are you going to talk about me? Are you going to, and I'm always just like, don't do anything stupid and I won't talk about you. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, no, I mean, I wish they did. I love it when people ask me, I mean, cause it's not like I'm, I don't know, I work in finance and has nothing to do with relation. I mean, it has to do with relationships, but I work directly with people in individual therapy, couples counseling with sex and relationships. So like, I love it when people ask me that because it's a really great conversation to have with somebody as you're getting to know them for a relationship. Yeah. Um, but not everybody asks. Uh, I hear you, but now hopefully people will listen and ask. Yeah. Uh, ask me all of the questions about what I do. Uh, and, and I'm I'm curious to ask you about that. Like, what made you specifically within this uh, realm of psychology sort of focus in on on sex? Um, well, I uh, I've been in therapy for a long time uh, with the same therapist, and he is a sex therapist. So, sex has just always been part of my therapy. It's just always been you know a self evident thing that I just talk about. Um, and then when I went to school, I realized that it wasn't really the case. We had one class on sex and that included like actual sex and also sexuality. Um, and I think also multicultural, it was like, it was ridiculous. Um, so it just became clear that it was something, at least back then that people weren't talking about. And I found it to be very interesting um, because the only time people talk about sex is if they're talking about genitals or is it good or is it bad? But nobody was actually talking about the relational and psychological components about sex. So I found that fascinating, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I just made sure that I studied a lot more about sex and here I am. Do you find though that the, the conversation around sex is like very old school, antiquated? Like, is it, is it, um, you know, is it still stuck in the old days or, or is the conversation around it, even the psychology world kind of progressing? Um, I, th well, in therapy and I, and with say psychotherapists, I think and would hope it's progressing. Um, there's just so much sex ed out there, um, especially for providers that if they're not using, <laughs> getting access to that, there's an issue there. Um, but the conversation is just constantly evolving. We're in a time right now where um, sex is really central and, and there's tons of conversations about sexual health, sexual pleasure, 
um, gender and sexuality, um, sexual orientation, um, race and sexuality. I mean, there's just, there's, there's a lot of conversations going on now. So, um, it's a topic that's constantly evolving, thankfully. Um, and, uh, it really, I mean, it depends who you talk to. Uh, you never know what you're going to get. It's very true. Uh, I know from doing this podcast that we've had, you know, some people who have very specific, uh, views like, you should not have sex with somebody for, I mean, we had a guest say this 90 days, who is a, a an expert. Oh my God, no. And so, Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. No. So, so this oh, is like. This, this drives me fucking crazy when people start making rules about the timing of sex. It'll like go nuts. Um, it does not matter. It doesn't matter. Especially if you're pursuing a relationship that's a sexual relationship. Um, talk about sex from day one. I mean, have it if you want to. Don't have it. I mean, it, it literally doesn't matter the timing of sex. Um, but there's just so many cultural values that are steeped in that rule of weight. Um, 90 days is wildly excessive. <laughs> like, that's hey, a lot. What know. was the reasoning behind that? Torture? Well, it's, it, you know, I think this guest, uh, and I actually got, I got some shit, I got some shitty reviews because of this episode. And I was like, it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. I didn't say it. No. Um, but it was, you know, I think she compared it to tomatoes and said something like, you you Love know, a good tomato. there want to be like the regular tomato. You want to be the artisanal tomato that somebody pays the extra money for and like works for. Um, so it was kind of that that mentality of like it's an earned thing, and people value the things that they earn. But I I don't know if that's as relevant nowadays. I mean, I'm sure there are some people yeah. who still feel like, oh, if she put out or they put out um, on day one, then they don't matter. But then that's a loser, right? <laughs> I mean, that's a problematic thought, right? Um, you know, when we're reducing people to the way they express themselves sexually um, and imposing our value system on someone else's sexual expression, right? Like, it's like, you know, if we were to go out to eat with somebody and I don't like spice, I like spicy foods, but not too spicy. And someone else was getting crazy spicy foods. I wouldn't be like, that's wrong, you know? But because food isn't steeped in all this cultural history where there's shame and fear and um, anxiety around it. So that wouldn't happen with food. Um, it's interesting though, that because I always use food as an analogy and it's interesting that she used food as an analogy to actually go against, <laughs> um, sexual freedom and expression that, you know, um, but if you want to wait 90 days, by all means, go for it. It's not something I would necessarily encourage, but again, you know, I, the best rule is no rules. So, um, if you want to have sex right away, have sex right away. If you want to wait, a long time, wait a long time. It's really up to you and, and your partner. Um, and you're going to want to find somebody who wants to wait, or you're going to want to find somebody who wants, who's ready to have sex with you um, and negotiate or compromise around the timing of that. But there's no actual, real, factual rule about the timing of sex. No, it's very true. Um, I uh, waited for two and a half months once, but that mm-hmm. was because I got injured in the beginning of our relationship and couldn't have sex. <laughs> and so uh, I had to wait two and a half months. And when we finally had sex, I, I just want the like listeners to know that guy cheated on me. Um, and, mm-hmm. and then I had sex with my boyfriend now after our third date or on our third date. And we're happy and living together. And it's great, you know, like. And you just moved in. We just moved in. So. I, I've always agreed with what you say, which is like no formula because you just got to do, you just got to, I feel like you should just do it for the right reason. Just do it because you want to whenever that is. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, totally. And also sex can mean anything. When I'm saying sex, I don't mean penetration. I mean any kind of sexual pleasure. Yeah, that was something that I really appreciated you put on your Instagram, which you have a really awesome Instagram. Um, Thanks. You want to plug it? Sure. Uh, I'm at your diagnonsense. So it's diagnon- so Diagnonsense. And uh, we'll put it in the description of this episode. But you did, you you had this post on some things to normalize around sex. And one of the things mm. was that sex means penetration and it does not. Right. It does so not. What, what is it? What, what do you mean when you say that? Like, or that's just saying. That it, what do I mean by sex is not penetration? Yeah. Like the, that the oh. focus for people is constantly like the penetration part? Yeah. Well, when we refer to sex as penetration, I mean, this is like a a lesson of history. You know, it's really outdated. It's really about procreation. That's the only reason why we, when we say sex, people, uh, it means penetration. Now it doesn't mean it's not, people aren't saying sex as penetration for procreation, but nonetheless, that's the linear, that's the history of this cultural script. When we say I had sex, people assume it's penetration. The reason why you assume it is because historically, blah, 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 procreation. Um, but so sex is anything, oral sex, um, mutual masturbation, uh, you know, get in the shower and touch each other. It's a hookup. Um, it, it really is whatever you want it to be. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, people still, everyone, when I say sex, they just, everyone still says it. I wonder yeah, if it yeah. will ever go away. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't think it will. <laughs> it, it won't. It definitely won't. Because I no. think also when somebody cheats, sometimes they say that like, oh, but I didn't have sex. <laughs> I just had somebody suck my dick. You know what I mean? Like they'll they'll say it like that as if <laughs> it's only the penetration. So much better. Just yeah. much, much better. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, because thing- for some people, penetration is a much more vulnerable act to do. That doesn't make other acts non-sexual though. It just means that for some people, penetration can be particularly vulnerable or only shared with um, intimate um, primary partners. But still, again, sex means anything you want it to mean. Yeah. But it Um, will persist. It probably will for a little bit while longer until your Instagram can reach all the people in the world. Right. And uh, waiting for that. We're getting there. Uh, yeah. something, you know, another one that you said that I, cause there were a few things I picked out of there, of, of that one post that, um, kind of sung to me, but it's just this idea that, you know, I think you said something like you're not a, we're not porn stars and it's not a sex Olympics. Yes. What do you mean? Like by that, like, do people get hung up on this, the idea that like sex needs to be the way it is in porn? Oh yeah, totally. Um, and, and the way that it is in porn as defined by what people think it means to have functional sex. So, um, you know, that our bodies should work in a certain way and should look a certain way and should perform in a certain way. And a lot of it does come from porn. Um, but also a lot of it comes from medicine. Um, you know, that the entire, all these kind of sexual dysfunctions, um, is what they're referred to. So erectile dysfunction, painful sex, all this shit. Um, they're categorized as dysfunctions um, by the medical community. And so it's part that, and it's also part porn, a lack of sex ed, um, sex reduced and simplified on TV, 
uh, blah, blah, blah. So all of these different sources really contribute to these super unrealistic expectations that usually revolve around some kind of performative component of sex. And again, it goes back to procreation. So these dysfunctions, which is ridiculous, um, assuming that sexual should be sex should be functional, which is, you know, I don't know, it's like mental health. We should always be healthy. It's it's we're all going to experience challenges sexual when it comes to our mental health, when it comes to our relational health, when it comes to our sexual health. So um dysfunctions, the idea of a dysfunction is basically, you know, a dick is not hard enough to penetrate a vagina for procreation. It comes down to procreation mm-hmm. again. It comes down to this historical cultural script. Um and it's still taught. It's still taught to sex therapists too. Part of my curriculum as a sex therapist training was talking about sexual dysfunctions. And I like had this ick reaction because I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. Uh, you know, why, you know, suppose someone comes quickly or pen- penetration is painful. Why are we calling this a dysfunction? Mm-hmm. Why is that not functional? What if mutual masturbation feels good? And that's, that feels, you know, why, you know, so it's the medical community. It's this unrealistic shit in porn. It's film and TV when you see just like three pumps and then someone comes in a movie and you're like, wow, that was just great. They didn't need lube. They didn't need condoms. There was no fumbling, you know? Um, and especially the way female sexual pleasure is, um, displayed, it's just, you know, there's so many unrealistic expectations and that's where it comes from. Um, and every singular person has internalized them. Everyone. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, everybody, I I'm very open to talk about certain things, but like, you know, it took me a long time as somebody who, uh, I orgasm, but I can't orgasm during sex. Not that I can't, it's just much more rare for me. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, again, that when you watch TV, you go like, oh, it, it happens right. to them at the same time. And so when right. you were, when In I was unison. younger, it, I'm like, how think of a patient, like a concert, like music. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, how did wow. they sync it? And like, yeah. I had to talk to gynecologists like more than one to be like, is it me? And they're like, no, yeah, I was going to ask you, did you feel ashamed about this for a long time? I did for the, for the, uh, a beginning bit, because like, you know, of course, when you're the beginning younger, of your sexual career. Yeah, but kind of <laughs> definitely. Um, but in the, in the, the start of my sexual awakening, I guess, or whatever, um, my boyfriends, when I was younger, were like, oh, how come, how come you can't, is it me? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think it's you. It's just, it doesn't really happen that way. I don't know. I've really tried. I've tried to like mentally calm myself, like be really present, but it, it just takes me a long time if it does. And, and then I had to like talk to gynecologists and they were like, oh honey, that's very normal. And I was like, are you sure? And like, I got multiple opinions until I realized like, oh, Okay, it is normal. Yeah, the majority of vagina owners and clit owners will not orgasm through penetrative sex. Yeah. Um, But because there's no sex ed, everyone is left to figure it out on their own. And there's really, I mean, now there's a lot more information. I don't know how old you are, but I'm assuming maybe we're around the same age. Mm -hmm. Um, Back when I was younger, there was sex ed about pregnancy and like childbirth. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly (laughs) what it was. The, the birthing video that they made us watch, but nothing about sexual pleasure, nothing about masturbation, nothing about a variety of different ways of getting off childbirth. Um, and I'm sure they still show it in different places in this country. Um, but that's all we got. I'm from Canada. I have a whole bit, my stand up about how, like, I want a kid one day, but not out of me. 
And I'm always like referring to the childbirthing video. I'm like, did anybody watch that video in high school? So you got it too, yeah. Oh yeah, 100%. I was like, it didn't make me not want to have sex, but it definitely made me never want to get pregnant. Um, Because that's all like exactly what you said. That's all we were fed is like sex equals babies. That's it. That's the only time, you know. Um, And that's why another thing you mentioned in there uh, in that post was the idea that sex is like an emotional, relational and psychological experience. Yes. And what is that? People still feel confused about sometimes when I say, they're like, well, what about casual sex? What if I don't know the person? Even if you're in a dark room and you are putting your dick through a hole, that's a relational dynamic. I mean, it, maybe I'm reducing it a bit much, but like, you but don't need not. to know the person for yeah. anonymity to be a relational dynamic that arouses you. That's a relational dynamic. That's an emotional dynamic, not being known. Um, it doesn't mean people often confuse that with, but I'm not attached. I don't care. Blah, blah, blah. It has nothing to do with caring or attachment. It has to do with what becomes arousing and erotic or um, causes anxiety um, or turns people off because what's just as important as a turn on is turn offs, which people often just kind of jump right over and go to, well, what turns me on when there's 35,000 things that are turning them off at the same time? So, um, yeah, so sex is more than genitals. Cause I think oftentimes people think sex ed, they think, oh, we need to talk about genitals. You know, we talk, it's just all genitals. It's like, <laughs> there is like a genital obsession, um, which, you know, obviously, cause it feels good. Um, but also, um, sex happens in our entire body and our brains are our biggest sexual organ, not our genitals, um, because sex requires hormones and that's what creates arousal. And in order for that to happen, it's an emotional and psychological and relational, um, experience. Um, so there are huge components of sex that I don't think anybody's really talking about. Cause I don't know if anybody really understands that either. Um, because the default understanding, um, to our bodies is mostly it's not working. Um, that kind of functional sexual health myth of it should be working in a certain way, it should feel a certain way, um, et cetera, as opposed to, you know, when we're thinking about it coming from our brains, the psychological, relational, emotional, I'm some, my body is telling me something, you know, I'm anxious mm-hmm. about something. I don't trust the person. I'm stressed. I'm bloated. I'm full. Um, I don't want to be sad. You know, right. I'm sad. You know, that there, every little thing is going to impact our sexual arousal and pleasure and orgasms. Um, but um, most people don't understand that and they think there's something wrong with their body, they're doing something wrong, blah, blah, blah. It's mostly anxiety. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, and I think there's there are a lot of people who also f- uh, struggle with mental health um, issues. Uh, mm-hmm. And when you might be in the middle of feeling depressed or anxious or something, it's really hard to feel aroused. Um, and, and so it's not, it doesn't have to do with just, uh, you know, seeing, uh, like you said, like two genitals being around each other and being even in the (laughs) right moment, like you could have candles and all the, whatever you feel is romantic, but it might still not arouse you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it depends who your partner is their last text message to you, like <laughs> everything fucking matters, unfortunately. Um, but that's who we are. We're human beings. Um, we're not just walking dicks and clits. 
Um, and we're pretty complex. Man, I mean, you're right. We're not walking dicks and clits. I feel like that should be... <laughs> no, that should be my slogan. <laughs> not a walking really dick. Should. That'll be the title of my book. I, I, we coined it here on the show. I love it. Um, you know, you also say that frequency is a big kind of issue, right? Because people always think if it's the right, if, if you're having a healthy sex life or you're really compatible with somebody or you really have chemistry, it means you're having sex every day. Right. Or multiple yeah. times and a day. It, and when I'm seeing a couple or whoever I'm seeing, um, you know, I think the, the old model was how much sex are you having? How much sex is normal per week? Blah, 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 which is ridiculous because as you're saying, and as you mentioned at the beginning today, um, that, you know, the, the frequency and the quantity of sex isn't as important as the type of sex and the amount of pleasure you're having. Um, so I, you know, people often come into therapy couples and they're like, we don't have sex that often. And I ask, well, when you have sex, is it the type of sex that you like to be having? Cause that's the most important part. Um, you know, are you having the type of sex that you like? It's not about quantity. It's not about frequency, it's about quality. It's about the, the, um, an amount of pleasure, the amount of arousal, um, orgasms for some people are important. Um, it's about much yeah. more. Uh, I'm, I'm very curious if you don't mind me asking, what are some of the most frequent questions you get from people about sex? Like, is there, is there one or two that come out at you that you're like, why are so, or people are so concerned with this? I mean, the most common question I get is, what is the craziest thing you've ever heard? <laughs> and I'm like, I really wish I had an answer to that, but I just don't. I, and it's mostly because it's me and I'm just not phased by anything yeah. really. But um, people are really interested in like, you know, wild and outlandish sexual stories. Um, I know this is not the answer I think you were looking for, um, but that is actually the most, the most um, common question I get. Um, when people are talking to me is about- Is that like people on a sex, date with you? Or as a sex therapist, I guess. Oh, so that's right. like a different question. What are the answers? Um, I'm wondering like question, with what? clients, like if clients come in or you're dealing with people, like let's say two parts. Where do you feel people are most hung up when it comes to sex? Because sex, I think is becoming more of a mainstream conversation, but still can yeah. feel taboo. And so where do you feel people get hung up when it comes to addressing sex at all? It's just the functional, um, the functional myth. Um, so people come in to me for therapy, whether it's a couple or an individual. And when we talk about sex, it's usually what's wrong with me. Mm. I think something's wrong with me. I should be able to experience pleasure, arousal, orgasms, whatever penetration in a certain way that I grew up thinking I should and I can't um, and my partner is going to reject me I'm never going to find a partner um, you know so there's a lot of shame um, a lot of shame and a lot of sexual fear um, and that's that's the most common thing that everybody struggles with I struggle with it and I'm a sex therapist it's just built in to the fabric of our of our culture um, so most people are walking around with a tremendous amount of shame and, and a lot of fear um, about who they are sexually, what they like, the people they like to have sex with, the things they don't like, the things their body isn't aren't bodies bodies aren't able to do, um, blah blah blah. Is that people really struggle to accept their sexuality? And it feels so vulnerable, right? Like yeah. to tell a partner or even yourself 
what you're really into or, I mean, sometimes I'm curious, what would be your advice? Like, you you know, I think something you also say in your Instagram is sort of this idea of like communicate what what you want and like where are, uh, I think you said something about like teaching somebody how you masturbate. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important. But sometimes it's like people don't know how to describe, like are they're like, am I supposed to describe it? Am I supposed to show them? Is yes. like, what yes. do you, is it to a all mixture? Of that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to all of it. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, if you were going to go over to someone you're dating, they were cooking you dinner. Um, if you were deathly allergic to, I don't know, uh, cucumbers, you'd probably be like, okay, just so you know, if I cucumber comes near my face, you know, I'm going to lose, I'm not going to be able to breathe. Um, you know, it's no different with sex. You're going to want to tell your partners what you like and what you don't like. And if there's something that turns you off, you're going to want to let them know. Um, and if there's a type of touch or a place on your body that you really love, um, to receive touch on, then you're really going to want to tell them that. And, um, all of this is really important information. Um, and, uh, you're going to want to do this. I would say right from the beginning, um, because once you start having those conversations and you start getting uh, practicing doing that with somebody, it builds safety and connection. Um, the likelihood of you having better sex than increases. I mean, it's kind of not that it's a little bit simple in that way is the more you talk about what you like, the more likely you are to get it. Um, so it can be connective, it's fun, it's playful, um, but most people don't do that until they're having sex they don't like. Um, so do it right from the beginning. Um, but what you were talking about is mutual masturbation, which is always shocking to me that people just simply don't do. Um, mm-hmm. Some people feel that masturbation is a private thing to do. They only want to do it by themselves. Some people don't even masturbate um, and or they just don't think about mutual masturbation as a type of sex to have. Um, that again goes back to the penetrative shit. Um, but, um, it's such a good thing to do. Um, it's one of my favorite things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Maybe I'm just biased and just pushing my own sexual agenda. (laughs) No, I'm not. Um, uh, no, it's super instructional. As we're saying, you show, you tell, take your partner's hand and put it on your genitals and be like, like exactly like this. And then you can ask them to do the same thing. Um, and again, the more you show and instruct, the, the more, uh, the chances increase that you will experience better pleasure, um, that you'll feel more comfortable, um, maybe that you'll get out of your head because you won't be like, oh my God, he's not doing that thing. I want to do that thing. I just need to tell him. I just want to tell him to do it. But I, yeah, I'm fine. It's okay. Um, <laughs> you don't have to do any of that shit. All of those internal mental gymnastics to try to coax yourself into feeling pleasure, you don't have to do, you know, that you can just engage directly and be like, this is what I want. This is what I need. Harder, faster, better, stronger. And you have more pleasure. Um, it's like a commercial. I'm like a commercial for arousal. I love it. But, um, that's, uh, why it's important to masturbate together and to talk about it, um, and to do all that. And it can feel awkward for like the first, second, maybe third time. And then after you're just going to be like, whatever, like you, you guys know each other, or if it's a new partner, even you're just going to get more comfortable with the next person. Um, I also like that you like you broke it down a little bit because sometimes people just don't know. Like it's to me, it's like, a you know, when my brother talks to his son, my nephew, sometimes he expects 
my nephew to know the answer. And I'm like, he's a baby. He doesn't know what to say back. You know, like if you say, <laughs> how are you? He says, how are you? He, you say, thanks. He goes, thanks. He doesn't know you're yeah. supposed to say you're welcome. And, and I kind of feel like that with all of us at different stages, right. In our life, like if we haven't been taught what to do around sex, how are people expected to do it? So you know, I appreciate you just breaking it down. Like, oh, this is the kind of conversation you have. This is what you do. Sometimes you can physically show somebody. Sometimes you can just describe it. And, you know, so people understand, like, how to hopefully apply that um, to their own lives. Um, exactly. I mean, again, I just food. Food is the, just the best sexual analogy. If you're going to teach somebody how to make your favorite chicken, just follow the exact steps you would do. You might follow a recipe. You might tell them the recipe. Um, you might even show them how you like to cut the carrots with a, you know, you you would put a lot of effort into mm-hmm. giving someone instructions on how to cook you a meal. Um, and so it's the same thing, but it's actually with your bodies and it's more important. And do you think that you should do this, like a- any of these communications around sex while you're having sex? Or is it perf- like, is it better to talk about it leading up to or before or All just the like above. in conversation? Before, or- after, during. Um, if you're giving requests during sex, it can, I mean, it can be uh, harder, but nonetheless, don't suffer through. Um, during sex, just make sure to give, um, you know, directions that are more positive. So don't say, no, stop. <laughs> um, say, you know, give a suggestion. I would prefer it if you would do it this way or do this or tell them exactly, you know, play with my nipples or no, I don't want anything in my ass right now. Or, um, you know, play with my clit instead, um, where you're giving somebody a real directive. Um, so feedback that can be followed when you tell someone no or stop, you know, it's or you're like, like oh, oh my God, that was horrible feeling. Down. Quit it. Yeah. It just, it shuts down creativity. Um, so, uh, you, you're really going to want to be kind. Yeah. And fun. Always be kind. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm curious when you deal with couples, is there, um, a through line maybe in sort of like when couples complain about sort of sex feeling mundane after a while, is there like a, is there a reason for that? Um, and, or what sort of your advice for people who try to keep things alive, um, long-term? Yeah. Well, whenever I see a couple, most couples, as soon as people get closer together, so when emotional intimacy increases, that's oftentimes when sexual desire decreases. Um, it's hard to sustain over a long period of time. It's kind of like having fun doing the same thing every day. It's, it's not, it's becoming sometimes a little boring. Um, but most people still nonetheless have this expectation that, you know, something's desperately wrong. And sometimes it is, but most of the times it's just normal. And because we don't have the sexual vocabulary or reflex to have a conversation that says, I hate when you put this much spice in the chicken, can you please just put a little less and use this instead? That we would say just reflexively, don't do that. You know, we just don't talk about it. So um, the awkwardness that you were saying, it might be awkward at the beginning. What's more awkward is when couples never had these conversations, the desire decreases and five, seven years into the relationship, you know, it's been a year or two and they don't really hook up anymore and they're having to have these conversations. Um, which are non-existent. So um, it's really normal for couples and long-term relationships to experience a decrease in desire. Yeah, I mean, that was a, uh, 
interesting to hear that like the more your emotional connection increases, sometimes you can feel like the the sexual is decreasing because it's just hard to maintain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so can people's sex lives improve and and without being reductive? What is the secret, Todd, to better sex? <laughs> well, having a, a sexual connection, I think, is the secret to having better sex. Um, creativity as well. Um, that a sexual, even if you have a good sexual connection, if you're not creative with it, um, it's going to go nowhere. Um, and that isn't necessarily just for long-term relationships. It's for, for any sexual relationship. Um, that you have to be creative um, and that sex can't just happen in the bedroom um, or when you're having it. You know, that really requires both partners to be in touch with the type of sexuality and energy around that. Um, that they can be uh, more exploratory and free and light and playful, et cetera. Um, so uh, it's totally possible. It just requires effort. Um, and most people are not used to having to put in effort um, when it comes to sexual pleasure arousal with a partner. Um, and that's, you know, at the beginning, we put a lot of effort into our relationships, um, a ton of effort. You know, we shower, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, we may wear cologne and put cute outfits on. And then a year or two later, you know, there's no shower, there's no cute outfit, there's no seduction, there's no effort there. It's a given. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's, you know, you're getting closer. Um, you're feeling more vulnerable. You can let it go. Um, but also the other side of that coin is when you're doing that, it's not necessarily the sexiest thing. I'm not saying you need to have your hair done and makeup on or be in incredible shape. Or that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is being creative and putting effort. Um, so put on your PJs and then maybe go in the bathroom and send a dirty picture um, and say, meet me in the bedroom or let's go, I don't know, to the roof. I don't know. But being really creative with how you express yourself sexually. um, And if you don't feel comfortable doing that, which most people don't, um, it's really important that um, that's a bit of a, uh, I must have red flag, but I want to say that, um, a bit of an alarm that says, wait, what's going on with me? Mm -hmm. Why am I not feeling free enough to express myself sexually? Um, Which most people don't again. Um, so it requires work. Yeah, th- that's something I, when I read your work and it was explaining that, I uh, realized like my boyfriend's very good at that. And I was like, oh, I, I need to probably step up more of the game with that. Like as sort of a, a female, I just rely on like, oh, here's my body. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. fine. I mean, um, but, if that works so for you, that's fine. I mean, sometimes yeah. it only takes one person to really drive that. Um, but he's very good. Like even now, like he'll leave, he'll leave notes around or, you know, he'll, he'll come over and say something. And, uh, but, and another thing that, that you talked about that I thought was important was like, people always think like sex has to be super spontaneous all the time. And yeah, there are times that it can be, you can both go out and get drunk and you come home and you're like, ah, fuck it, wherever. Right. But sometimes it's also like you're working. And you're doing stuff and, and you said something about like, it's okay to schedule sex. And we've done that before. And it, it was what, how you described it, where we were both really busy working. So we were like, all right, when you get done that and I get done this, I'll meet you here at this time. And like, that made us like excited for that time. Um, And so I thought that was like a nice thing that you presented to people that I can like attest to. I'm like, oh yeah, that works sometimes. You know, obviously yeah, it's anticipation. It yeah. 
it's anticipation, it's planning, it's a it's a gradual evolution of feeling. Um, you know, where there is some kind of a hurdle to overcome, right? So there's a planning, it's going to happen. Um, and there's a lot of er different erotic components there um, that can be arousing. And then when you finally do have sex, it can be super hot because you've been waiting all day and thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Do you find uh, that this is a conversation, a discussion I've had with my boyfriend. My boyfriend's from Spain. So mm -hmm. all of his friends are European and they're always like, you know, they're much more free about discussing sex and just all, just all of that kind of stuff, desire. Um, and they always feel like Americans are sexually repressed. And, and do you find it's a cultural thing here? Yeah, sex is cultural. Sex is political, depending on where you are. Um, sex, relationships, marriage, um, so is going to may change slightly. Um, depending on geography, it could be major changes. Um, uh, but yes, I mean, people are generally freer, um, Europeans in terms of the way they express their sexuality and the way in which they talk about it. They do have more traditional gender roles and gender scripts. Um, not more, but I mean, I guess it's equal as we do here in the States. Um, but yeah, I think the, the dialogue is often, um, more open and there's a lot more, um, uh, romanticizing that happens around sex and passion and love. And there's a real drama there. Um, whereas here it's so, um, it's a bit reduced and simplified and not addressed. Yeah. I found it like easier to talk to him about like what I wanted and didn't want. Um, just because he was so, he was like, yeah, that's cool. Great. And there were, and then he could tell me and I was like, oh, okay, awesome. Cool. You know, yeah, where it didn't awesome. feel like there was, um, I mean, it's still always evolving and you're always trying to express mm -hmm. more. Um, but I, I found it easier and that I remember always sort of sparked our discussions of, is it a cultural thing? I'm Indian. I should not be discussing any of this <laughs> according to my culture, but you know, I'm free and wild. Um, something that I have been asked by listeners is like somebody, I got asked this recently, um, a couple months ago, somebody is married and, uh, they're feeling there were two things. One, they were, um, when they were having sex with their wife, they were thinking about an ex and they were like, is that cheating? And then the second part of the question was like, they, this person loves his wife, but wasn't feeling like he could do all the sexual things he wants to do with her. Um, and so, you know, he was wondering how to sort of start the conversation around introducing those new sexual experiences. So like those two parts, you know, one, you end up in sort of a, a sexual relationship. I don't think you just have to be married, but when you start thinking about somebody else, is that cheating? And no. and how can people start having this conversation around introducing new sexual experiences with their partner? Um, well, two very different topics. One, um, I post about this a lot and every time I do, people freak out um, or there's a certain amount of people that really have a lot of issues with the idea of fantasy during sex and it not being exclusively to the partner they're having sex with um, or exclusively about. Um, but it's actually pretty normal. People fantasize about all sorts of things during sex. Um, and if you think your partner isn't, 
um, it's best not to live in denial. Um, they are. Um, and it actually has nothing to do with whether or not they want to be there with you, if they like you, if they think you're hot. Um, sometimes it's just a way that people center their minds um, and um, with you. So fantasy is really healthy. It's a, it's a hugely healthy component of sexual sexuality, um, whether that's with a partner or without. Um, but the idea of that is really uncomfortable for, for people because there's a lot of sexual fear um, and a lot of relational anxiety um, about infidelity, cheating, et cetera. Um, but it, it is not. Um, thoughts are, are not uh, an affair. Um, you know, it's kind of like uh, fantasies about anything. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be true. There's a really big difference between fantasy and reality. Yeah. Fantasy is something that happens in our minds. Um, and it's not necessarily connected. Being with Michael B. Jordan all the time. Right. Um, you know, these things, they're dreams, just like any dream of having a certain job or, or anything. Um, so totally normal fantasize about whoever you want. Um, I just want to touch on one thing that fantasy is people personalize their partner's fantasies and it's so hard not to, and it might be mission impossible. Um, but fantasy plays a really specific psychological role for people, especially during sex. Um, and for many people, they're anxious, they're ADD, they can't concentrate, their mind is all over the place. Um, and fantasy, whether they're doing it on purpose intentionally or not, the fantasy, when people go into their fantasy world during sex, is often a way to center attention on sex. Um, for someone who's anxious, distracted, feeling shameful, etc., that fantasy can play a role to make sex feel, re- uh, to help them relax into their pleasure. Um, so fantasy is a really great thing for a lot of people. Um, but it's super complex. So do your best not to personalize it with your partner. Should people uh, ask even? What, or is are it you better to not know like what your person is fantasizing about? I feel like I wouldn't even want to know. I'm like, but let that be your, your thing. Well, I mean, it's every, everyone has their own personal choice. For some yeah. people, they don't want to share their fantasies, that it's a fantasy. And if they shared it, it would ruin the fantasy. Um, for other people, they feel threatened. They just don't want to know. There's no rule here. Um, I think, though, the more you know about what arouses your partner, the more you can be part of that. So Mm -hmm. you can integrate fantasy into partnered sex, even if it is about somebody else, where you take this imaginary third and you can become, not necessarily, no, yeah, you can become part of the fantasy where it can become an experience that they share with you. Um, And that can be really fun and really connective and really hot, um, where you verbally invite an imaginary third in or an imaginary place in or an imaginary whatever the fuck in. Um, you know, we're in bed, but we're really having sex on the top of a roof. And can you see the person watching us? You know, these are fantasies that that people do go to in their heads. And if you can join them and they're your partner and you feel safe together, it can be really, really erotic and hot. Um, and it can create safety and closeness and comfort, you know, especially if you share a fantasy and your partner says that's hot. What if I was there? Or what if they were here in the room with us right now? And you can feel seen um, and you can experience that together. It can be really hot and safe and fun. And I'm now going on, but you get the picture. But what if it's somebody like a person, like a specific person? What if it was like in this example, this person said they were with their wife, but they think about their ex. Like, do they want to tell their wife that the person is their ex? 
And then how do you I, I don't know. merge that? It really depends on the person. I mean, most people probably won't want to know that their partner is fantasizing about their ex during sex. Yes. But yeah. some people may. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I mean, you want to pick and choose. Um, if someone is asking you, are you fantasizing about your ex while you're fucking me? They may not tell you yes, because they're probably going to be afraid that you're going to freak out. And is the freak out, you know, wrong? No. Um, but it isn't cheating. Um, and it may not mean they want to be with their ex either. So, um, you know, this is going to be individual and couple specific. Mm-hmm. And so how do people start this conversation around new sexual experiences, you know, especially when it comes to like uh, BDSM, an additional person? Um, I had some friends, you know, uh, when I was in New York that we were discussing sex parties as sort of a, a new thing that people are kind of exploring. So like, how do they do that and other sexual experiences? How do they introduce that with their partner? Um, I get this a lot um, when I do my Q and A's on the weekend. You know, how do I have this conversation? Whether it's about sex or I don't know, I want to move or anything. Um, you just kind of have to have it. <laughs> um, there's really no secret sauce to starting communication about any topic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if anything, you want to think about and reflect on what stops you from accessing those communication skills that you use regularly about non-sexual things. Um, so we usually ask people daily. Um, we place orders at the coffee shop. We communicate all the time. But when it comes to sex, all of a sudden, like, oh my God, I don't know how to ask for something, right? Um, even though we spend often our entire days asking for something in one way or another. So um, the skills are there. It's what stops people from using them. Um, so the question is less, how do I have this conversation? And more so, why don't I have the conversation? What is it that stops me? What is the shame? What is the fear? Um, what is it that shuts me down? Why do I withdraw? Why am I protecting myself? Blah, blah, like more of those questions. Um, but when it comes to the conversation itself, it's just, you, you have to use your mouth and open it and say words. Um, That's, um, and the uh, ones that you like. Yeah, I, I mean, it's so great when you simplify that, right? And you just say like, yeah, right. We have conversations all the time. Why is this one hard? Uh, what if the partner though, isn't cool with whatever you want to do? Um, well, I mean, you have to find out. Um, and if it turns out that they're not, and it's something that you're, you could give or take, then, then you're not going to be doing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if it's something that's important to you, which is a hundred percent okay. And your partner says, mm, not my thing. Sorry. Um, I think it's important to push and to ask for more. And you'd say, this would be really hot for me. It would mean a lot to me if you would do this. We could just do it once. It's not like we have to do it every day. Um, but as long as it's not against your religion or painful or making you want to vomit, would you do this for me? Um, you know, if you uh, I hated going to baseball games, but your partner was like, I would mean so much if you went to this baseball game with me. And you're like, okay, fine, I'll go once. Fine. Um, you know, we want to do things that make our partners happy. So long as it's not causing us pain or you know, morally opposed to it, or, you know, these kind of things that we cannot, would not do, um, then we want to give our partners pleasure. I think the challenge though, is, is that many people may retreat and withdraw when they get one no. Um, and um, I mean, no about like, I don't want to explore leather play. You know, you could say, well, what about a bracelet? <laughs> you know, you could, mm. you, you could push and you can ask for little bits and pieces if it's important to you. If it's not important to you, then it doesn't fucking matter. Um, mm. But if you're having the conversation and taking that 
brave step to do so, it probably is. Um, so oftentimes couples will have to do this kind of um, this back and forth where they're really negotiating their their eroticism and desire. And um, that's a perfectly healthy thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, as we wrap out this episode, uh, I'm curious, how would you define a healthy sexual relationship? Like, are there some basics that it should should have? Um, that's a big question. I don't even know how I would define it. I mean, safety, safety, creativity. I mean, they're more like characteristics that, you know, we want to cultivate for our sexual connection and have thriving sexual life with our partners. So safety is the key. You know, we have to feel safe physically, emotionally, relationally. That's what I'm saying. Sex is about relationships and emotion. If you don't trust that your partner is going to stay, your body may not necessarily respond to their touch in the way you want it to. You may not be aroused. So safety is super, super crucial and important and um, a sense of relaxation. Um, And that's something that's cultivated both with your partner and alone with yourself. Um, So, you know, if you're someone that's very disconnected from your sexuality, you're going to be very disconnected from your sexuality with your partner. So it's kind of, you know, it's work to do with with a partner and with yourself. So safety, creativity. So I was talking about really feeling light and um, free from that sexual shame and free from the cultural bullshit to express and explore and be creative and discover and be like a little child in the play box of sexuality. Um, and I think that th- those two components are, are, are super, super important. And you also say to like make noise and have fun yes. and get messy because this shit is not the way, you know, the movies portray it to be where it's like this perfect piece of closing comes off like <laughs> Half the time I've had sex, I've always laughed in my head about how many times, like, your your pant gets stuck to your shoe, yeah, like, to mess. your foot as you're taking it out, your sock, you're, you're pulling the shirt up over your head, and it's stuck on your neck, and you're like, <laughs> right, I'm trying to be sexy. That's what happened. Um, and, but of course, like, in your head, you think it's all supposed to be this smooth, suave, you know, and w- one move, everything comes off, you know, the button snaps, and it's just, like, open. <laughs> Uh, but it's, it's not that, and it's fun that it's not that. Yeah. Don't sterilize your sexuality. I love that. Well, I feel like you just got your new Instagram post. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> Don't sterilize your sexuality. <laughs> Could be good. Yeah. Uh, Todd, thank you so much for being, uh, on kind of dating with us today. Uh, you're not totally done. We have one last thing called six questions. We ask every one of our guests the exact same six questions. So Todd, are you ready for yours? All right. So it's like rapid fire. So don't think about it too much. So Todd, what is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? Uh, How fast they respond to my text messages. Mm, Nice. (laughs) That's a unique one. I like it. Yeah. What is one deal breaker? Um, I don't know. Someone who's a big partier. I can't do it. I like to sleep. (laughs) I feel you. For Um, me. Yeah, yeah. What turns you on? Um, physically, I like legs, which is so I feel I'm so unique in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, what really turns me on and what I really like are people that are engaging and um, can have conversations and where I don't have to do all that lifting. Todd, what are one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships? 
Well, I don't have weaknesses um, because I'm perfect. Uh, my strengths in relationships, uh, communication. I'm really great at communicating and really thoughtful in how I communicate um, and what I'm communicating about. Um, that's kind of what I do. Um, my weaknesses, um, I get turned off really easily. Fair. Uh, <laughs> what is love? Love. I don't know. Um, what is love? Um, closeness, calm, connection, warmth, touch. Yeah. Yeah, all those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your last question, Todd, besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? To tell me. I don't know. I think I was supposed to think about this one. Um, three words that I want them to tell me. Yeah, instead um, of I love you. I'm here for you. Okay. That's, for you. Four. That's four, but yeah. Yeah, we will give it to you. We'll give it to you. We normally yeah. don't, but I'll give it to you. Thanks. <laughs> Todd, thank you so much for being uh, on the episode. This was so great. We learned a lot. How can everyone find you and all of your work? Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. Um, find me online uh, on social media at your diagnosis on Instagram. And guys, we are going to have all of Todd's links, including his website, in the description of this episode. So please follow him and find him and and get some coaching from him. Right? Uh, well, friends, you yeah, can also- I also have an online program if you want to do that. Yeah, please tell us about it. Oh, yeah. I have an online program about sex. Um, so if you want to learn more about this stuff, um, you can find that out. Just go to my, my Instagram page and it's all there. Awesome. Uh, well, guys, you can also follow us. We're at Kind of Dating across the board. I'm at Natasha Chandel on Instagram, Natasha.Chandel on TikTok, Natasha underscore Chandel on Twitter. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. If you could please take a second and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, we would be so so grateful. Also, send us your dating stories and thoughts to kindadating at gmail.com. Finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kinda Dating is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Kinda Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co-host. Adam Pineless and Karina Uribe are producers. Our opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yannick and K. Daniel Ellis.